All right. Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you today. It is good to be in the house of the Lord, and uh, I trust you're continuing with your journal and uh, getting out your uh, First Peter booklet. We have more if you need one that uh, you can be a part of this and uh, be taking notes with us and and exercising your your mind and your hands each morning as we continue our remarkable series. Now, now each. Each week, we've had something different come down the road, okay? And, and this time, we're going to run into a building. How many people know Italy's greatest mistake? It's like, man, wow, I don't know. I don't know. Or, or I shouldn't say greatest, forgive me. Most famous mistake. Go ahead and throw up my building here. I think you can see it right here. Um, I mean, this is like famous, right? How many of you have gone up this thing? Not that many. Saints say it is not like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no. What is that? That is the Leaning Tower. I wonder how they gave it its name, the Leaning Tower. I mean, I, I, I look at that and I'm like already a little like questioning. I mean, I, I have trouble with anything leaning, right? So, so let alone anything like that, a facility that I'm attending. If we build some new buildings here and they're leaning like that, give the church a call. Give the church a call. Anybody ever built on a, on, a, on a bad foundation and had things go south? Anybody do a back deck or something? And like, you know, year one, it was great. Year 10, people could die on that thing, you know? I mean, because the foundation isn't what it should be. So, so I was reading about this because we're gonna, we're gonna really center on foundations today. That's gonna be a, a big word for our message. And I'm, I'm reading about this, and I, and I know all of you just want a little history lesson on the Leaning Tower of Pisa, so I'll do that for you. Don't, don't, don't worry. 1173, 1173, um, part of the Grand Cathedral Project to flaunt the wealth of Pisa, so, so this cathedral and everything, this tower, I mean, this is just a, the, the whole goal of this tower was a look at me and look what I've done kind of thing, okay? Now, in 1178, the second floor of the eight floors that was targeted to be built began to slink, sink into its clay foundation, they found out. Now, now we can't make mistakes like this anymore. Um, we can't afford to make mistakes like that. But in, in 1173, they didn't have any CAD drawings, okay? They weren't really working off as much. You can even, some of you have live in farmhouses that are far from, from straight, right? You got some windowsills. I got a brother in Christ, man. His one windowsill, right? I mean, so even then, like we, we, now you, you might... If you're a contractor, you might lose the job if you built like that, right? I mean, you got lasers now lining everything up, all this stuff. But, but in 1173, their building is part of this thing, and, and it begins to sink into the clay foundation. Five years in, they're on the second floor, okay? They're working with different kind of materials, and, and, and there's a stoppage for 100 years. Have you ever stopped a project for 100 years? 100-year project stop. Why? Well, the war began to distract them, and, and many different aspects, it just stopped, and it, and it sunk into its foundation, leaning the two stories, and they came back to the project 100 some years later, when, and in 1370 AD, they, they completed this thing, 1370. They counterbalanced the top floor, thinking that might help. So you can see it, the leaning, it goes, it leans and then the top is kind of straight. They counterbalanced the top floor thinking that would help, that that didn't help. That actually made 
things worse. In 1990, they closed the Leaning Tower of Pisa because its gravity shifted and it almost fell and it was deemed too dangerous for visitors. So engineers assembled to try to restabilize the structure to keep it as a part of antiquity. Now, now it was 2003 when the renovation was really worked through with the world's best engineers. They discovered restoration was possible by removing soil slowly on the north side. It's leaning to the south. If they removed soil on the north side slowly, okay, any, any project managers that work with large companies moving things, how terrifying is this project, right? I mean, you're moving the leaning tower of Pisa, okay? I mean, this will probably make the news if you knock it over, right? And, and so you're slow. I mean, think who's in charge of this job. I feel bad for that guy. He didn't sleep, okay? Uh, because if, if this falls down and they remove the north side slowly so that engineers could stabilize the facility and they were able to regain two and a half feet. Yeah, not very shocking, Right? I mean, you can't stand it straight up. That would destroy the, uh, the, the visitors, right? But they regained uh, uh, two feet. So it went from leaning 15 feet to 13 and a half feet. It was marked as stable, and now it was reopened despite young people what TikTok tries to say, okay? And, and so Pisa now is there, and, and, we, and we see this thing leaning to the side. And what's incredible is in 2018, another study was done on this project because they noticed it continues to stand despite some massive, massive earthquakes that had occurred in the Italy area. And lesser buildings fell. Taller buildings fell. Why is this thing still standing there? And they found that ironically, the same clay that caused it to sink was the same clay that gave it enough movement in its foundation to keep it standing. See, there's a lesson in foundation that we all can gain from. When we are building on something that is strong, we have a better chance of that life remaining steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. If we build on a foundation that is not strong, we run the risk of it completely Shipwrecking. Jesus leveraged that illustration. We can see this illustration in Leaning Tower of Pisa. And those moments in our life where we feel like we're about to fall, we feel like we're about to crash, we got to make sure we go back to our foundation. The foundation of Jesus Christ, the foundation of the word, or we run the risk of allowing things in our life that can shake us. Oh, if you're a child of God, you're an overcomer. But Peter's writing to a group of people who are tremendously shaken, vulnerable, fearful, underneath an emperor who is reckless, evil, manipulative. He lords his power over them. He makes them do things that are difficult. He's killing them. And Peter comes into that situation and he says, you guys have a remarkable hope based on your identity. You have a remarkable joy based on your inheritance. You have a remarkable mindset as you focus your entire life around the centerpiece of your life, Jesus Christ. And you have a remarkable reverence. You have a healthy fear 
not dread, but respect for the God you serve. And that's why as a set-apart group of people. You can survive all this suffering. You can navigate all this fear. You can overcome all this unhappiness and sadness that's around you by anchoring in to the firm foundation, specifically the Word of God. Obedience to the Word of God and holiness go hand in hand. And so, if I'm the devil... I got to keep you from being in the word of God, however necessary, however necessary, because understanding the word of God enables you to obey it and to live holy lives. And that's why today Peter kind of finishes his section on holiness by going, you have a remarkable foundation to build on. Child of God, you're not building on a foundation that's gonna fall apart. It kind of feels like it sometimes. You're not building on a foundation that you can't go big on. Really? You're not building on a foundation that one day is gonna fall apart. You're not building on a foundation that's possibly decaying and you're gonna sink. You are built on something that can't be shaken, amen? And that is why it's important for a believer to be constantly going back. What is my foundation? Well, I mean, I have this much in that bank account, and I have this much in that bank account, so I'm safe. Oh. I I, I have this prepared and this prepared, so I'm safe. You see, I think in life, God every once in a while lets us really see what our foundation is. For many of us are all like, yeah, Jesus is my firm foundation. Until something we've placed our foundation of security is taken away. And how many people are building off of other things? Building their life on other things. Today is a call by Peter to say, we got a foundation that is a great foundation to build on, to grow on, and to serve on. And he leverages like four illustrations. He talks about taking off old habits, growing like babies, growing like babies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter's like, let's go there. He he says, we want to be built up like a temple and and we're going to serve like priests. And all of us are like, oh yeah, totally get it. Totally get it. I don't think we do. I don't think I completely do. And it was a great study for me to refresh myself on what I'm actually called to do as I navigated these scriptures we're in today. 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 through 10, we've got a calling to build on this foundation, and we're going to do it today in the Word. Heavenly Father, thank you for this firm foundation you've given us in Jesus Christ, our rock, our redeemer. May we build on it. Instead of the many things we try to build on, may we build on a firm foundation that is you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You know, it was, uh, it was one of my third or fourth years running a day camp, okay? And uh, I had this dream. We were only allowed in certain buildings at the time. And I had this dream of a young youth pastor of the youth group's gonna take over the ministry center. And I told my um, advisor this, or not my advisor, she's my pastor, okay? I was like, hey, the youth ministry is going to need that building in the next five years. No way. No, we are, all right? We're up in the activity center, but we're going to grow this thing. We're going to show, we're going to preach the word of God. We're going to need the ministry center. 
So, so day camp would go, and we'd do all these different sets and stuff, and we had this bright idea that we were gonna bring the set in. And we started the first year with a big submarine. Okay, and we built a submarine right where the organ was, okay? Now, now that was a challenge in itself, okay? And, and I wasn't beloved for that. I'm just gonna put that out there, okay? And, 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 but, but we had this dream, like, we're gonna, kids can use sanctuaries too. <gasps> Not so sure. I believe they can. Just trust me. The church is for kids too. And, 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 and oh, the leadership was awesome at the time, and they, they bent to this crazy youth pastor, okay? And then he thought the next year we should do the stage too, you, you, can ask, you can ask some of our music directors. Um, I think Darla can tell you there were times where she was playing instruments inside of boats during day camp, right? And, and, and so, so it was awesome, the flexibility of our leadership. Many churches wouldn't have that kind of leadership to be flexible to this crazy guy running, running the youth ministry. But I just kept dreaming, and I thought, this year, we're going to build a mountain and have lava coming down. And I'm going to call some landscapers and we're going to put an actual pond in the auditorium and we're going to run a, a pump and we're going to have the waterfall and I'm going to build a suspension bridge. And I drew this whole thing up and I showed it to the leadership and they were like, when can we get rid of this guy? I think. <laughs> and they're like, okay, Chris, but you got, oh my word, you've got to have it out by, okay, I, I'll do it. And we started building and nothing went well. Nothing went well. I did not know how to build on a firm foundation. We have builders come in and do our day camp sets. Why? Uh, you know, just because of lawyers and things like that. Uh, but, but this was back when we didn't even do permission slips, folks. I just say, hey, youth group, we're going to Dairy Queen tonight. Parents are like, whatever, bring them home, okay? Nobody had their cell phones, you know? And I was like, you know, we felt mistreated, okay? Nobody, it was just like we went, okay? So we're building this lava island. And the camp theme was Lava Lava Island. And then we had this bridge going across the, the creek or, or the pond, and, 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 and that was great. And we got to a point where we're walking across the bridge, and it was a suspension bridge. I had never built a suspension bridge, but I was willing to try. And, and so I built it. I thought it was going to work. And I'm walking over it. It's fine. I have other people walking over it. And we're like, but how can we be sure? Because kids are a different story. They're not going to just walk across this. They're going to jump on it. And so we had um, with us an intern that summer who, let's just say, had more girth than us. All right? And, and let's use like a hypothetical name to bring it to life. Let's call him Adam. And, 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 and so and, and we said, Adam, hypothetically, we said, Adam, I need you to test that bridge. Okay, willing to do anything. Okay, what do you want me to do? I want you to run and just jump on it. Okay, hold on, maybe we should pray. I mean, it was like, we were all standing around and he's like, all right, are we ready, ready? Here we go, he runs, he jumps, and mid-air, you knew you knew it wasn't gonna go well. He pulled every beam out of that bridge. I mean, that thing just, just collapsed, hurt his shin. See. See, you gotta be careful as an employer putting other people at risk for the sake of other people, but Adam was something we were willing to risk for the kids. <laughs> and, and we came up with a term, we called it Adam tested, mother approved, and, 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 and we rebuilt the entire bridge. But something happened that day when the bridge snapped because I got a call around 11.30 by the buildings and grounds person here at first, and they said, Chris, you need to get down to the church. Now, at the time, I was down at where Pastor Ben is. So you gotta get up here to the church. Um, 
You know that red ink you put in the lava? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it broke because it's all over the auditorium. No, that's not true. No, it's leaking everywhere. I'm down here. I said, Becca, do you know where my resume is? Because I got to run up to the church. And, and, And we were cleaning. And of course it was Saturday. And Sunday's the next day. And the fact that some of you are just hearing this story shows how remarkable we clean that thing up. <laughs> As we worked almost all night on that thing to get it right, and God was good, but I walked out of there going, we can never build these things the way we're building them again because they're dangerous. I mean, one of my, I mean, one of my dear buddies, okay, who now is a staff and coworker and awesome man of God and father, got hurt on it, kids could get hurt on it. It's not just this, oh yeah, we need a foundation. Folks, your family is at risk if you're not building on this foundation. Your, your, your little girls and little boys, your wife, your husband is at risk if you're not building on this foundation. So please don't just skip over it because it's a Christianese term. Yeah, we need to build on the foundation. That's, I love to sing that song. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. Hold up a second. Peter's going, this is extremely important. So here's what I want you to do. Peter's like in locked in mode. You know a dad who's like, bud, here's what I want you to do. Peter, awesome, awesome. He goes right in this. He goes, I want you to put away. What? Yeah, we're gonna start by putting stuff away. I want you to put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and all slander. I want you to put it away, okay? Put it away, again, Remarkable, not today. Okay, so put it away, all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Circle, put it away. And write, eliminate, to take off. You know, there was a practice of taking things off, even in early baptisms. They would actually, if you, if you study some of the most first baptism immersion, they would literally take their clothes off, go down into the water, be baptized, and come back and get new clothes. Now, it's just best for all of us we don't do that anymore. For every single person, it's best we do not do that anymore. But there was an idea of you once were, and now you are, that they were trying to illustrate. He says, I want you to put away malice, deceit, hypocrisy, Envy and slander. Can I ask you a question? Do you think Peter just like threw a couple things out for a quick list? Is the church, global church, being more tempted than ever to be angry right now? Is the church more tempted than ever to carry a harboring of hatred? That's what malice is. It's a harboring if you got a harboring hatred, like you see things and something clicks inside you, the devil's going, I'm getting you, I'm getting you. Go ahead, freak out. Peter goes, get out of that, get, get rid of that. Get, he, he literally put away me, take off. See, see, I got a shirt I've saved from my honeymoon. I, I mean, I look good in this shirt. It was a Gap shirt, remember Gap? Kids, you gotta learn about Gap. 
I mean, we were the thing in the 90s, Gap, right? And so if you didn't have a Gap shirt, I mean, you had to have a Gap shirt. And this was my Gap shirt, and it was a great shirt, and it was green, and had a white stripe across it, and I'm like, I'm never getting rid of this, and my wife just got to the point she forbade me to wear it. Stop wearing that shirt! Guys, do you have an item of clothing your wife just doesn't like you when she sees you in it, and you wear it on purpose? What's wrong with you guys? No, 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 no. Well, well, I, I, I have held on to that baby. Look at that. Get, I've held on to this baby. And it's in the corner, and, and she's going to see it this morning and go, you did. Yes, I did. I held on to that. I mean, we all got things in our closet we're hanging on to. We all got things in our closet we're hanging on. Why are we hanging on to them? Peter says, put it away, all malice. I'm, I'm, let's jump in the closet. I want you to take this off. All harboring hatred and evil attitudes. Get rid of them. There's a difference between righteous anger and malice. That's why God says, be angry, but don't sin. Have you ever been angry? Had a right thing to be angry about, but then you went and sinned. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't give the devil a foothold in your life because if you allow malice in there, oh, it'll start at the right thing and then it'll turn on the wrong things in your life. And then you're like a ticking time bomb, a jack-in-the-box for everybody to live with because you're harboring hatred and evil attitudes. Peter says, get in that closet and get it out of there. Get out that old stuff. He says, how about deceit? All lying, exaggerating, dishonest behavior. I want you to get it out of there. He's not randomly picking these. If you're currently lying, young person, if you're lying to your parents, the Holy Spirit's gonna be nudging you right now. He's saying, get rid of that. Take that off. Hypocrisy, all insincerity, all manipulations, all false agendas, coming up to people and treating them certain ways because you have something going on or hiding something true about yourself. These agendas that we carry, get them out of your closet. All envy, all grudges and bitterness and resentful emotions that you might harbor towards somebody, something, or even an organization. There's organizational bitterness right now like you can't believe. Maybe sometimes rightfully so. Get it out. Why? These are the things that motivate me. No, no, that's the devil. These are the things that destroy you. These are the things that drive my energy. No, these are actually the things that destroy you. Get out all slander, all gossip, all backbiting, any corrupt talking, any corrupt talking about people that is meant to harm their reputation. Get it out of your closet. Go in there. Yeah, we hold on to these things. It's amazing. I mean, I was in my closet. I was just looking through some of the things. And my wife has like a, a closet of heirlooms kind of thing. And it has day camp shirts. We got all sorts of stuff. That, so I just looked at my stuff. And I found some crazy stuff. I found my old deep run coaching sweatshirt that I wore with Sydney. I found my parade special Ryan Howard Phillies jersey that went to the 2008 parade. I said... We're going to be at a lot more. We're not going to be anymore. Okay. Uh, and and, and then this, I found this. This is magical. I'm not even sure I'm supposed to have this, but this is my first jersey at LBC. And I'm like, whoa, man, it's so heavy. It's so heavy. If anybody from LBC is watching this, I'll probably return this now that I've done that. All right. And I, I even found, I even found my old football jacket. Look at this thing. Look at Ben Ridge football jacket. I got 1993 on it and stuff. And, and, and I'm like, why am I keeping these things? That's like the past. 
And, and that's fun. I've kept some of these things for story, maybe even for this sermon today. But Peter's going, you got things in that closet that gotta go. Child of God, did the Spirit talk to you about any of those things in the closet? Malice? Deceit? How do you know, how do you know when he's talking? If you're justifying yourself right now in your brain, that's how you know. Well, I mean, I kind of have to. That's how you know. Just, just choose humility and let him talk to you. Well, well it's kind of hard to put those away because they've been really building up. Well, that's why he says, I want you to replace it. If Alcoholics Anonymous understands that you can't just take a habit and stop it, you actually have to take that habit and replace it with another habit, how much more does the scripture understand that? I want you to take these things out, get them out of there, okay? What do you want me to do? I want you to confess all of these things that are going on in your closet, and I want you to do something instead. What, 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 okay. Lord, forgive me for my malice. Forgive me for my deceit. Lord, cleanse me from any hypocrisy. Lord, point out if there's any envy in my life. Lord, Lord, any slander. I've been talking about people. God, I know you don't want that. I don't want to. It's like I'm putting on those shirts each day. It's like I got a malice shirt. I'm like, hmm, what am I going to wear today? Oh, my malice shirt. Oh, oh, hypocrisy. I'll pretend I'm something I'm not. Oh, oh, here we go. Envy. I'll make other people. It's like we put them on each day. And Peter says, stop going back to that stuff. That's where you were. Move forward. And do what? Do what? Do what? Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk. Every once in a while, you have people come up to you in ministry and say, you know, I just want to be somewhere where there's like, I can, fe- you, I can get fed. Okay? And like some of, the, some of the things I'm hearing, they just don't, they're not there for me. You know? And I'm like, well, how are you supposed to approach Scripture? What do you mean? Like the scholar I am. How are you supposed to approach scripture? Like the pastor I once was. How are you supposed to approach scripture? Like an apostle. I think you're supposed to come as a kid? Nope, go lower. Not even like a kid. Like an adult who has a lot to teach other people. How are you supposed to come to scripture? Peter goes, oh, oh, oh. Yes, Peter. Like a baby longing for milk from its mom. Any young parents in here know what that looks like? Oh, it's tiring, isn't it? Oh, don't worry, it'll pass. Unless you have another one. (laughs) And that was your call, okay? So don't go crying to him about it. You did it, okay? Think so. You know what it sounds like. It's terrible. I remember being a parent. still a parent, by the way. I just remember the baby years. Okay. <laughs> please don't. I mean, remember crawling out of rooms and stuff like that? Like, please don't wake up. Please, Lord. And then you hear, uh-uh. Oh, man. They better make a lot of money and help dad out in the future. <laughs> I want you to be like a newborn baby coming for that milk. I want it. I want it. I'm going to get real graphic here. I'm not going to get graphic. I don't like to do that. I get more uncomfortable than you. But I have held each one of my kids while they've been nursing on their mom, and they come to me, and they go, I'm like, man, I can't provide, bud. I mean, I don't got what you need, and I, I, I just want my, I just want that milk. And Peter says, oh, oh, it's not just any milk, because if any of you have ever left a baby bottle under your bed for a couple weeks... It's not just any, oh man, what is in this room? 
oh, I thought you just smelled. No, I don't smell. I mean, pure spiritual milk, not milk that's been adjusted and altered. And trust me, church, pray for me always. You don't want me altering the word, okay? We got plenty of people taking scripture and making it dance and doing lots of different things, okay? But the pure spiritual work, I want you to long for it. Why, why? That by it, you may grow up into salvation. Oh yeah, babies want milk because they'll grow up into salvation. If indeed you've tasted the Lord's good, keep drinking that milk. Well, well, aren't we supposed to go from milk to meat? Yes, but that is a different passage where Paul is correcting them from staying on milk. This is the pure spiritual milk. So many scholars believe that this is just the discussion of nourishment and growth more than this isn't something you should stay at. But, but I've noticed something about scripture. Scripture is called four different things we can consume. Do you know what those are? Four different things we consume. Some of you are thinking milk, some of you are thinking meat, but there's two others, you know that? I've leveraged one already in this series. Four, four things scripture um, 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 does. It, it provides us milk for my growth. Crave the spiritual milk. Bread for my survival. Some of you like to read the devotional book, Daily Bread. Just daily bread, every word from God. Man, I can't live on bread alone, but every word from God. It's like my bread. Honey, so David says, it's like honey on my lips. It brings me joy, and it, and it goes with me. And meat for my strength. Solid food is for the mature. We need to get to a point where we're not just on milk, we're told in Corinthians, but solid food. Do you see something being played out in your life? Young people, if you're in the room, this is great news. That Bible's gonna grow up with you. It's gonna grow up with you. And there's gonna be aspects of it that you're still gonna long for, but shout of God. Don't confuse the interpretation of our Corinthian passages with Paul with what Peter's trying to do. He's saying, keep coming to this thing like a baby needing milk. Keep coming back, keep coming back, long for it. In fact, you could take inside that word, remember I told you under all the texts, you could write like a, a Greek line underneath it because that's what it was uh, translated from. That, that, that language carries the idea of create, or excuse me, build a taste for it. Build a taste for the milk, the bread, the honey, the meat. Remarkable growth is what I put in my notes. We're trying to do three remarkables in each thing. Remarkable growing needs to occur. You know, the Bible took on new meaning for me when I began to compartmentalize it where I best need it. What are you talking about, Chris? This past week, I shared on social media uh, seven remarkable verses, and many of you joined me in that. That was great. It was awesome reading everybody's verses. I wanted to point, I pointed out in my post, but I want to point out from all of you, when you begin to leverage the word as your foundation for areas that you need in your life, the Bible becomes more necessary to you. It's one of the ways I developed a taste for it and wanted more of it, okay? Uh, college guys out there. I was a freshman in college going, Lord, I feel you're calling me into the ministry. However, one problem, I hate reading. And I don't really enjoy reading the Bible. I'm gonna be straight with you, God. I don't really get a kick out of it. And my professor, he was guiding me. He goes, Chris, why don't you pray that God will build that in you and give you a passion for it? And I did, I began to pray that. The rest is history. But when I began to leverage it for the areas I would need it, oh man, that thing became like bread, honey. Look what I've done. Um, I don't know what you do with the word of God. Here's one of the things I did. Here's my seven remarkables. 
My purpose verse is Proverbs 7. Chris, spend the rest of your life getting wisdom, not knowledge. Get wisdom. Find wise people and surround yourself with them. Find what knowledge puffs up. Wisdom. Wisdom. Get wisdom. Above it. If it's been everything you have, get wisdom. Proverbs 4 says. It's been a purpose verse in my life. Just collect wisdom. My life verse is 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Be steadfast, unmovable. My attitude verse is rapata. I've always got to check my attitude. Any of you sink into bad attitudes quickly? I know this about myself. Chris, rejoice always, pray always, thank always. Why? That's God's will for you in this situation. My leadership verse, Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He's like a tree planted by the waters. He does not fear when the heat comes. He's like, oh no, heat's coming, because his green leaves go out, because he's feasting on the word of God. And he does not worry in the time of drought. Oh no, we're going to be without. Why? Because he's constantly feeding on that stream. And so Jeremiah... 1778, if you're in leadership, you should have a leadership verse, okay? It's different than my life verse. My preaching verse is Jeremiah 29. If you tell me to stop preaching, Jeremiah says, I can't, there's a fire in my bones. I will not, I must not. I have found that's kind of been something that's always encouraged me, that there's a fire in my bones to preach the word of God, and I've leveraged that as my preaching verse. I have a prayer verse, Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Now, to the one who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond anything you could ever ask or think, Chris. That's who you're praying to. And that's been a prayer verse for me. And then a decision verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, Chris. All your heart, not some of it. Lean not on your understanding, because I don't know how this is going to go. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Okay, start every effort in prayer. And I will make your path straight. Note, I will make your path. Pick a path, Chris. Pick a path. I just don't know if this is the path. Pick one. All right, I'm going on this one. That's not the one. All right, fine. There it is. Ah, I've noticed God always wants me to get out of the boat before he shows me how much I can trust him. Pick a path. I'll make it straight. Just make sure if I say turn, you turn. And that's the will of God. Do you have verses in your life to help you in areas like this? When you do, you begin to hunt the scriptures. Young person, you begin to go, I need something like that. I have a bad attitude in this area. I struggle with this. Then you need to grow. How? Nourishing on the word like a baby needing milk. He shifts from growing to building now. He says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Have you ever been in a garden and come across a living stone? Yeah, me neither. Okay, so what is this? What is a living stone? Now, some of us a little more nursed in Christianity go, we're talking about Jesus. He's alive. He's the rock that we are to build our life on. But underneath the surface of that word means a Stone dressed for building, already fashioned for building, as if it's going to be used for something in a construction project. It's not just a big boulder sitting in the woods, but it's dressed for construction. You come to him to a stone to build on. And the stone is not dead. This is an alive stone. It's living and active, and you can build on it. It was rejected by men, but in God's sight, he looks at the stone and goes, oh, it's precious. And then Peter does another shift. He goes from individual challenge to put things away. 
And he says, now, I want you to all do this. What? Yeah, that, that was for Chris. That was for you. Pick your name. Put your name in there. Now I want you all to do this. You yourselves are like living stones and are being built up as a spiritual house. What? Yeah. To be a holy priesthood. Each believer is a living stone built on top of the stone as a spiritual house. What's a spiritual house? What's a spiritual house? It's a temple. It's a tabernacle. It's something set apart for God. You're all being built up as a temple. All of you, Peter would stand in front of me and say, Chris, move over. Let the real preacher preach. All of you are a temple. You're being built up and, and, and to be a holy priesthood. Priests work in the temple. I'm trying to stay with you. To offer spiritual sacrifices. Okay, God doesn't want dead sacrifices. He now wants living sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter's saying, you are like priests serving in a remarkable building. Any of you ever played Jenga? I just happen to have a Jenga set here. Yet this is the big one, because this is the one Revivals likes to use. You always start on a foundation. And if you don't pick a good foundation, we've never built Jenga right on the grass. We put it on a good, and Jesus says, I want you to come to the living stone. Living stone, this is gonna be our living stone today. And I want you to build, all of you. There you are. I'll, I'll pick our staff's name so nobody's like, he was talking about me today, okay. I want you to put, John, Chris, Doug, all right? Let's, um, Darla, there we go. All right, Kyle, there we go. Gabe, there we go. I'm building you all. I'm building you all up. Let me do some deacons. Trey, all right, I'm putting you in there, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm just putting names on here. You can just keep putting names in there. And, and I just picture Jesus. I'm building you guys up. Oh, man, the church needs that guy. The church needs her. There we go. And, and, and I'm just picturing this building. And, and Jesus is the foundation, and he's building me up. And now I'm starting to feel very important. I'm an important piece to this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, you're supposed to work together. And he leverages, he leverages the temple, the tabernacle, if you will. Now, now that's powerful imagery. Do you know that every aspect of the tabernacle was symbolic? We don't have time to go into great depth, but let me just put up the tabernacle that would be around Israel's encampment, where the fire of God would come down, the Holy of Holies. Imagine looking at it each night. Whoa. And the priests, the Levites, they would go in and they represent the people. There was a, there was a, a wall all around it because Israel was saying, I am, God was saying, I am separate from Israel. I'm holy. There, there was an altar of offering that God said, put it right there. That is, I am forgives you. What? He forgives? I'm a forgiving God. He, he, he had them put a bronze laver. I am the one who cleanses Israel. Priests, I want you to cleanse your hands and show all the people I can wash away sin with the sacrifices that are out on the forgiving altar. And then there was the tent of meeting. God saying, I come down and I dwell with you. I am with you. So every part of the tabernacle was extremely symbolic. And, and Peter says, you guys are all being built up like the temple. This is you, but you're not dead. You're, you're alive. You're not just thing of the past, but he's building you up. And you all are symbolic of, of what he's doing. And, and if you went inside this tent of meeting 
Every piece of furniture was important. God said, put a lampstand in there because I am gives light to all of Israel. Put in the altar of incense because I am hears the prayers of Israel. I want them to know the priests are praying for the people. Lord, forgive your people at the altar of incense and it rises to me like a sweet aroma. I am, put a veil in front of the Ark of the Covenant and not everyone can enter in there. And the high priest comes in sometimes, they tie a rope around them, kids. You wanna know why? They tie a rope around his ankles when he'd open the curtain and go in. You wanna know why? Because if he didn't go in there properly, he's dead. And they'd have to drag him out. Nobody else could go in. Every aspect was symbolic. He even said, put a table of showbread because I am fellowships with Israel. Do you see all these new principles that are coming to the New Testament believer? He goes, yeah, you're like priests working inside the temple. He has allowed you in. For it stands in scripture. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, circle cornerstone. Everything is built off the cornerstone. Where there's a cornerstone, they place that stone first and they build an entire building around the perfect placement of the cornerstone. Everything would need to be plumb with that cornerstone. He's chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him, whoever goes, I accept Jesus Christ as my personal savior in heaven, spiritually, there is a, we see ya. Really? Yeah. I'm built on the foundation. You bet you are. Oh, man, I've got a responsibility. Now you're catching Peter. You have a responsibility to be holy, to be like the priests, if you will, to be set apart, to be used. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. This is interesting. That not there is the strongest negative. If you can write a minus symbol, put minus. That is the strongest negative that you can use in the original language. It will never be put to shame. So to the honor, the honor is for you who believe. The honor for you who believe, you are being built on the living stone and you are living stones and it's honor. And the stone that the builders rejected, who are the builders? It's Israel. It has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Wait a minute, why? I'm building on this stone. I'm building on the things of Jesus Christ, yes. And those who build on it, it's honor and glory. But those who refuse to build on it, this is what Jesus is like. Oh, You see, there's a magnetic effect, isn't there, with Christ? It's either positive or negative. It's either attractive or repulsive, Scripture says. And they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. This is why the word of God, child of God, is so important because you are a chosen race, Peter says. You've been selected. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, which is awesome. This means not only am I called to do priestly functions and that I can access the throne that the veil's been torn down and I can enter the holy holies and come bold before the throne of God. I'm a royal priesthood. That means one day I will reign. A royal priesthood is a reigning, not just an acting. And that will be fulfilled in the ultimate kingdom. I'm a holy nation of people for his own possession. Peter is doing something strategic. He's taking all the figures for the church that he's using that were originally referred to Israel. 
And I don't see a replacement here. I see a physical pattern and now a spiritual pattern. They were a physical race of people. Now we're a spiritual race. There's a new pattern. They rejected it. God still has a plan, but now it's for his church and you're being built up. I, 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 love, I love the teachings. Many of you know this. I mean, he was one of the guys that had an inspiration in my life. I even have his Bible signed. I was kind of a nerd and went to his conference and had him sign his Bible. But I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the interpretation skills and study and character of John MacArthur. And he says, let me tell you about priesthood, okay? It's an elect privilege, Exodus 28.1. He said, let me tell you about priesthood. It's a cleansing of sin. It's priesthood is clothed for service. A priesthood is ordained for obedience. Priesthood is to walk with God. Priesthood is to honor God's word. A priesthood is to be God's messenger. Do you hear how we, as God's priests, who have been allowed into the tabernacle, who can enter the holy holies because of what Jesus did out in that altar of incense, if you will, he's saying, you are privileged. You've been set apart. You've been forgiven. You are clothed. Take off the old clothes and put on the new ones. You're ordained for obedience, to walk with God, to honor his word, and to be God's messenger because you've been called from darkness to light. That's Peter says, you proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. You were not a people, and now you're a people. Church, you're being put together. You weren't a people. The church was a mystery, scripture said. The prophets didn't see him. They saw two mountaintops, but in that valley was a church, and you were not a people, but now you're being built up together. You gotta work together, folks. When somebody tries to do things differently, it'll mess up everything. It'll affect everyone in the church. But as a priest... Peter says, you have a responsibility to be praying for everybody. Have you ever thought of it as your responsibility to be praying for everyone? Have you ever thought of it as your responsibility to be encouraging people that you come around in the church? Have you ever looked at it as your responsibility or is that the paid professional's job? Peter said, I'm not writing to paid professionals. I'm writing to all of you. God has given you such a unique privilege. Use your gifts. You have been called here for a purpose. How many of you have I come up to you and go, man, I can see why the Lord brought you to our church. He is using you so specifically right now. That's awesome. I see big smiles come across people's faces. There are people in here who just adore working with children. There are people here who adore working with teenagers. There are also people here who do not feel called to that at all. There are people here who adore prayer. They adore gathering for prayer. There's people here who adore relationships and encouraging one another in small groups. There's people who love to teach and are gifted to teach and to lead. And God's building us all together so that we serve. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. You've been allowed to enter the Holy of Holies. So you've got to be remarkable serving. Lord, how can I offer spiritual sacrifices to this body of Christ? How can I be building? Well, look how the priest built. Throw up. You could offer your strength. Not all of us might have your resources. 
You could offer just good works, kindness, gentleness. You, you could offer sacrificing for others. I mentioned it. You could offer intercessory prayer. I got text this morning from a couple guys who are on a prayer team. So I'm praying for you this morning and for everyone who hears this message. Right now, right now, as you're in here, there are four guys that I spend the first two songs with in prayer, praying over this worship hour, and then there'll be a second round that comes for the second worship hour. These are ways that we can offer back when you sing to the Lord and offer him praise when you shout out his name. These are ways you can be offering to this place. And Peter goes, come on, bring it, everybody. That's the way you navigate suffering. Because the longer you're focused on yourself, the worse your day is going to get. Anybody find that to be true? When I'm having a miserable day, it's often because I've been looking in the mirror most of it. It's amazing what reaching out to somebody and surprising them with a call and going, hey man, how you doing, changes your entire day. I had a really wise person tell me one time, just because you had a bad morning doesn't mean you have to have a bad afternoon. And just because you had a bad afternoon doesn't mean you have to have a bad evening. And I've taken that principle and tried to divide my day. I go, okay, morning wasn't that great. We're coming in hard in the afternoon. Or the afternoon, morning was great afternoon. Woo, I gotta have a better evening. Changes your prayer life, morning, noon and night. When you begin to process that God wants to use me in other people's lives, we have a remarkable foundation to build on that's fit for growing, building, and serving. And so, as I looked at all this content, I looked at all these illustrations Peter's given us, put away, put away all the evil in my closet, if you will. Be built up on the rock that is Jesus Christ. Serve as part of a building, not this little island, but as part of a building that I bring something to the table. How could I best leverage this in my spiritual life this week? How can I take this sermon and not just make it a bunch of imagery and put some shoes on, if you will? And, and that's when I was brought back to a verse in Hebrews that says this. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. I want to throw off everything that's hindering me in my walk with Christ. This is, this is not something that is leveraged as much. It seems like the church, we, we really fall into a temptation of trying to just be like somebody else instead of who we're called to be. And holiness is one of those things that people only make decisions based on social acceptance. Well, it seems like everybody in the church is okay with this now, so let's do that. It seems like social media is good with that now, so let's do that. That's how they do their holiness. You know, I remember, I remember when you couldn't do that. You ever hear that said? God's like, I don't remember that. God hates sin. He doesn't remember when it was okay. Oh yeah, I remember back when it was okay too. Nope. I just look at that as a person who is basing all of their holiness on what other people say and think, not on what scripture has directed them to do. And so I wanna live a life, don't you? And I'm not perfect, folks, trust me. This weighs on me. 
I wanna live a life that's built on holiness from scripture, not holiness based on whether the church at large is okay with it now. So I wanna throw off everything. So I've got, I've got a closet mentality here and I'm thinking through this and that took me to Colossians 3, 8 and 9. I'm allowing you in on my devotional life for just a minute here. And as I read this, it says this, and, and I know it's Paul writing to the church in Colossians and Paul, when Paul makes a list, it's not like Pastor Chris's lists, okay? His lists are inspired by God himself, okay? So his lists aren't, ooh, that rhymes or ooh, that's an acronym, okay? These are Paul's lists. So I'm thinking he picked these for a reason. He said, but now, in verse eight, you must put away, all away, here's the list. Look what he starts with. He starts with the same thing as Peter. Were you guys talking, you and Peter? Only time I remember Peter and Paul talking is when they got to fight. We'll get to that. Put away anger, wrath, malice slander, and obscene talk. Okay, Paul. Put away anger. Yeah, put it away. Kind of, of, I'm pretty good at it, Lord. Put it away. You're right, you're right. Forgive me, Lord, for a minute. Wrath. That's that passion inside you to do something, get somebody back. Shows up sometimes when you think through your situation. Maybe for you it's the car. Maybe for you it's when someone says that you're like your mom. Forgive me, Lord. I have been really allowing me to keep putting that shirt on of wrath. Malice harboring, harboring. I'm still angry about it, just don't bring it up. I learned something about forgiveness in the 70 times seven principle. I used to think it was just Jesus, you need to keep forgiving people and never stopping, which is very true. But I also learned it's this, I need to forgive some people over and over and over and over. There are probably people who have hurt you and every time you see them, you are tempted to put on an old shirt. I gotta take that shirt off. Lord, I forgive them today. Slander. I picked Howard because I did talk bad about him when he struck out sometimes. <laughs> Lord, I can't talk about people like that. I wouldn't want anybody talking to me like that. I gotta put that away. I've gotta stop putting that slander shirt on. Yeah, stop wearing it. Obscene talk. Lord, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Yeah, but like all my friends seem cool with it. I don't care what your friends think. I want no obscene talk. Oh man, are we, why? Because have you liked your life with that stuff in it? No. Do you like living like this? No. Do you cry at night? Yes. Do you call out to me and go, God, how come my life's like this? Yes. So take off the stuff that keeps bringing that. Okay, but now I have nothing to wear. School's going to be embarrassing. All right, and that's where Paul helps us. He said, now I want you to put something else on. I want you to put on, put on what? Do you think this list is accidental? I don't think so. I wrote it down in my journal. I want you to put on compassion. I'll put on compassion. 
put that on. I want you thinking about other people, not just yourself. You are gonna find your day will change, Chris. Okay, I'm gonna put on compassion. I want you to put on kindness, not niceness. You can be nice to people you don't like. Put on kindness. I want you to wish well for people. Okay, I'll wear that shirt. Yep, that's best for me. You're right, it's best for you. Okay, I just had to say it. Humility. Knew you were gonna bring up humility. Put on humility. Meekness. Self-control. I might have an opinion, but is it right to share it at this time, in this way? Put on meekness. People listen to people with self-control. People don't listen to people who are out of control. Patience. Oh, patience. Put on patience. It's best for you when you're patient. I'm gonna have to pray about this every morning. I know you are. Put on forgiveness. You knew we needed a white belt. (laughs) Put on forgiveness. Is there somebody you need to forgive today? How many of you don't have any of these shirts on this morning? Put on love. Put on love. You see, stop going to the old stuff. It doesn't work. Peter's calling a great exchange to occur. Paul is calling us to do a great exchange, and they've given us an illustration to work with. And you go, I want to do that, but how? And Peter goes, have you been listening to me? What, 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 what? Have you been listening to me? What, what, what? We built this whole thing on the imperishable word of God. We're building this thing on the rock. Have you not been listening to me? The only way you're going to do that is through the word of God. And so, you need seven new verses in your life. You do. Because I think this list is huge. I don't think Paul like happened across this list. I don't think Paul was thinking, you know, oh, this will preach even though it will. We need to get into the word of God this week like little babies. If this is that important to Paul and Peter, we need to get into the word of God like little infants and find, you ready? Go ahead, put it up. A compassion verse to build our life on. I gotta find a verse of compassion. Some of you are thinking one right now. I know one's coming to my head right now. God comforts me in my afflictions so I can go comfort others. That's a compassion verse. Anybody got a compassion verse? You have a new verse to memorize. Here's the second one. We need a kindness verse. You need a kindness verse in your life to build off of. Thinking of one. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving. Humility verse. Humility. I need a humility verse to build my life on. I got to put it in my closet. I need a humility verse. I need a meekness verse. I need a meekness about, I need a verse about self control. I need a verse about patience in my life. It's got to be memorized. It's got to be memorized in my life. I need a forgiveness verse, Lord. You know I struggle with it. I don't want to put that shirt on. I go, I go, I forgive him, and then I'm back here going, but today, no, put it away. I know. 
I need a forgiveness verse to go to. I need a love verse. And now the scripture starts coming to life, doesn't it? Because now you're craving to have a verse to help you with this list that these heroes of my faith are telling me is important in your wardrobe. And that's why this verse comes to life. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You know, the Leaning Tower of Pisa has survived massive earthquakes because even though sometimes things get built wrongly, God's foundation is so good that it can even hold us up when we've built incorrectly. How many of you know that at some point in your life you tried building on some other foundation than Christ? Isn't it good to know that he's welcoming you back with open arms and says, keep building. Let's start over. Let's look at your wardrobe. And let's choose to live a holy life. How? Build it on the word of God. This week... I'm not necessarily giving this challenge out. I'm not going to be obnoxious, right, and lack self-awareness. But I'm going to post seven of those. I'm going to post them. I'm going to, I'm going to go through and go, what will mine be? Because I'm adamant to not just preach this. I want to live this out in my life. And I have some verses in my head, but I really want to pray through it. I'm going to post, I, I need these verses. I, I desperately need them, especially in the year and a half we've been having. I need these in my life. Over the last three weeks, church, I have gone out of my way to answer a call I felt from God. And that was simply this. Chris, preach, no audible voice, just call to God as I'm reading through Peter. Preach the importance of my church being in the Bible. If I inspired one of you, one of you, just one of you, to read the Bible more this, the past three weeks, Mission accomplished, Lord. Heavenly Father, use your word to continue to pour into our lives. Lord, we read so much stuff. We study so much stuff. We stay focused on so much stuff. But that stuff just keeps us going back to the same closet and going back to the same ways. There's a great exchange Peter's calling us to. He's saying, put it away. Put it away. How, Lord? Through confession. And put on. Replace it with new habits. Every time you're tempted to go to anger, I want you to go to that verse. And what it'll do is you'll develop an appetite for the word of God and you'll long for it. May someone in the pulpit or in the pew today be asking God to give them a fresh, fresh passion for the word of God. May they look for categories, if you will, of their life that they'd like to grow and stop building it on try, try, try. They will fail. For apart from our rock, our redeemer, we can do nothing, scripture tells us. But if they build it on the sure foundation, it's a seed that is sure to grow within them, enabling them to put on the new clothes that we've been called to wear. As priests, they're building a temple as a visible illustration to the world that we've been called out and separate. Not to be just different, but to be remarkable.
Amen.